listening to First Church Charlotte. I'm sorry, guys. We had a technical challenge here, so I was able to gauge the power of Pastor Don's prayer just by observing uh, the angels that were about his. You just noticed the halo uh, would kind of rise and fall. Um, that was a hundred percent operator error on my part, and I apologize. But I know the Lord here heard the prayer, and He was the one we were directing it to. So uh, forgive me for that operator error. Um, all right. So let's uh, first of all welcome our our brothers and sisters from C3 in Concord, our sister congregation uh, over by the racetrack. <laughs> and so uh, we welcome to all of you. Uh, we are in week three of love, marriage, and relationships, and I have invited my wife to sit on the uh, de- this side of the desk uh, so she could uh, add commentary to everything that I am saying. Um, I am very blessed in her. She has a very different perspective on subjects uh, than me, and she approaches things differently. And um, I won't say it's better, even though it usually is. I'll just say that it rounds out the subject at hand and gives us a certain breadth of, you know, perspective on the subject. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to review the subjects that we have, we have been talking about in the last two nights, and I am going to And in an effort to help all of us retain the information, I'm going to review and then I'm going to invite my uh, wife to comment on these subjects um, as I as I go through them. So the one of the first things we talked about was the research that had been done in relationships where each each individual responded to what a researcher would call an emotional call. Um, And the contrast in successful relationships with unsuccessful relationships that actually went on to, uh, to fail, those relationships failed. And the, the rather humbling uh, and disturbing data was that uh, nearly 90% uh, in successful relationships, nearly 90% of the emotional calls where I had a bad day, I want you to give me a moment of time, I want you to talk to me, I want you to see me, I want you to uh, include me, um, be with me, that emotional call in a relate in a successful relationship, most of those are being met with someone who at least tries. They at least show uh, interest, they listen, they care. In relationships that go on to failure, uh, only a third of the time in relationships that the researchers said went on ultimately to fail, only a third of those emotional calls where one spouse goes to another spouse and expresses in some way need or uh, help, you know, I want to talk about this, only a third of those are being answered. And that is one of the most uh, flashing red warning lights of relationships that ultimately would fail. And so I want to, I want to real quick have you all think about that and apply it to your own relationships. And then I want to invite my wife to comment on uh, how she sees that and how it has um, 
from her perspective, it, it might would be important in a relationship. So, all right, Pastor Nugent, take it away. Okay, first of all, he told me 30 minutes ago he wanted me to do this. 30 yes. minutes ago, he's like, I think I want you to sit with me tonight and just do some feedback. So I had no clue and I have zero preparation for this. This is straight off the, the cuff. So yeah, but if you have a prayer life, you don't have to study. Go ahead. Well, then <laughs> speak for yourself. because <laughs> Some of us do. Um, so basically, um, obviously, extremely important. But uh, one of the things I think is also important is when you are in those moments where you're like, really, you're needing somebody, you're, ne- you're needing to, to vent, you're needing your person to, um, to be on your side. Um, I, think it's, I think it's extremely important to uh, realize their limitations, to, to realize what you're coming with. If you're coming to somebody who is communicatively challenged, who is, who is probably not going to give you your great feedback that you need at that moment, it's okay to say, look, I don't expect certain things from you. I just want you to know where I am. Um, and also don't dump things on them when they're exhausted. Um, if your wife has worked a 12 hour shift as a nurse um, or any other shift, not, not you, baby, never you. Never you. I, I just want to say I'm, I'm sitting nurse. right here. I'm, I'm not a I'm, nurse. I'm sitting right here. I'm trying to be, you know, if they worked a long day and I said wife instead of husband, because most of the time it's the men that do this, right? They work these like long shifts outside the outside the home and they come home and they just want to crash. They just want to relax. They want to eat. They want to, you know, have an hour in front of the TV or whatever they do in the evenings. And they don't really want to spend that time emoting, you know, um, and so I think it's, I think it's, uh, very important to, to, to pick those times. Um, and it, sometimes you're not able to, sometimes you are emotionally crashing and sometimes you really do need that person and it's okay to say, Hey, look, I know it's bad timing. I know you're tired, but I, I really, I really need you right now. I, I, I really need to talk. So anyway, that's, that's kind of my take on that. Try to be, try to be sensitive to each other. Um, and if you're the person who does not emote very well and does not communicate very well, um, try to put your feelings aside, your fatigue aside for the moment and relate to that person that you're communicating with and realize they matter. Their feelings matter. Even if maybe their feelings are not relatable to you, you don't get it. Um, they matter. And so take a minute and say, Hey, I love you. You matter to me. Your emotions and your feelings matter to me. Validate them, validate them, validate what they're saying. Um, let them know you see them and maybe can we shelf this until such and such time and don't just put it off indefinitely. Pick a time. That's it. I'm quit. I'll move on now. Yeah. Um, I make many more emotional calls on my wife than she makes on me. Um, however, one of the mistakes I've made that may uh, apply to men uh, more than, than than you ladies, I, I'm not sure on that. That's always a, a dangerous presumption. Um, but sometimes when uh, my wife is wanting to tell me something, connect with me, rather than listening, I try to fix her. And so she'll, she'll be like, you won't believe what happened at work. There was this person, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, I, instead of just listening and saying, Oh my, Oh no, he didn't. Mm-hmm. Girl, which is what I should be doing. I'm like, well, okay. Why didn't you either slap a fool or call security? So, um, rather than trying to be included, I'm trying to fix her. And, um, that doesn't, 
that doesn't always end well. And so um, I would say on that subject, that's at least one hard learned lesson uh, that we can apply. All right, another subject that we talked about uh, a good, and uh, let me just add here, any of you who wanna pop a question into the mix, um, you are welcome to do it. This is interactive. Um, and so any question you wanna pop in the mix, we will answer almost anything unless it is none of your business or socially inappropriate. Um, so we talked about making an effort to try to understand uh, one another's inner world. Uh, none of us are static and all of us are becoming. We are all being shaped by changes in our life. Um, if I go through work circumstances that are highly stressful, they have a formative impact on me. And if, uh, or rather than saying it personally, let's say it in a broader sense, if one spouse is going through something, if, if his or her husband or wife is not making any effort to know the person they are and the person they are becoming, it's very dangerous to wake up one day and realize you don't know each other because the statement that follows immediately after we don't know each other is, I don't remember why we're together. Um, we don't know each other. And so I don't remember why we are together. This is very, very dangerous. The problem with this is you did not get to this moment quickly. You got to this moment slowly, but now you have to try to fix rapidly what was broken slowly. And in the emotional lives that we live, we don't get to control the speed of healing. We don't. We don't get to control the speed of emotional reconnection. We start doing the work, but we are not in control of those emotions. Unfortunately, those emotions are more often in control of us. And so it's dangerous to go through long seasons of our life where we make no effort one toward another. It's dangerous to go through years where we take each other for granted. Does that make sense? Um, because that inattentiveness is taking us somewhere. And there's a risk that the hole we have, the sinkhole of apathy, we have allowed ourselves to be submerged in might require more time than we actually have. And so on this subject of being committed to understanding each other's inner world, um, I, I, you guys know how I say it, you've heard me say it. Now I want, I, I want my wife to say it because she's gonna round me out and complete my communication style. Um, I don't really think that I have anything to add to that. I You're messing with my plan I'm, here. I'm sorry. Um, yeah, it's, it's just a matter of opening, you know, opening your mouth. You know, well, just keep keep talking through it. Something the, the most common advice I hear you give when you and I are talking to um, people who are facing some um, uh, difficulty is I hear you emphasize over and over the importance of communication. Right. And so I think it would be safe for us to say that if we're not communicating, there is next to zero chance that we are seeking to understand right. each other's inner world. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so I think a red light in this issue that flashes on the dashboard is, are you trying to communicate? Are you trying to understand? Are you listening? 
um, inattentiveness, you know, that that's taking us somewhere. It's not free. Right. Um, being lazy in our, uh, our affection one to another, it's not free. It's be, it's taking us somewhere. Um, the third, the third principle I talk about a lot, well, let's take a break here and, um, let's look at some of these questions. Um, so Amanda, that's a good question. Um, I mean, you always ask questions that are deep and I need a whole sermon to answer. The last time you asked a question, Amanda, I was like, holy moly, uh, let me let me uh, let me check my clock here. <laughs> um, that's very, very important question to ask in preparing for marriage. Um, I'm going to try to give principles here. Um, the first one is this. Are, how hard are you working on yourself? Because there's a, a trick that we play on ourselves. We think I will be better if I was with the right person. In other words, my best self is with someone else because my future husband or wife is going to fix me. Um, that is that is wrong. Um, so uh, you need to work on you um, as much as possible and think of yourself as a whole person Work on yourself spiritually. Um, work on yourself as in those those spiritual fruit. Um, every one of those is going to bless a future relationship. Um, discipline, prayer, all of that work on self is going to produce a valuable person um, that is in some ways an attraction to your future partner, but in other ways is a gift to your future partner. A person who does have mastery over their temper is a gift to them. So uh, the, the, the worst thing we can do is just pine and wait. The best thing we can do is work on what we can work on now so that in the future um, we can work on things that are uh, more about we than me. Um, so, um, Angela posted this conversation. Uh, yeah, you often ask whether or not your partner uh, wants solutions or a listening ear. That's a good idea. Um, I haven't worded it like that. Um, the way I the the way we worded in our relationship is if I start giving her solutions and she punches me, I know I'm doing the wrong. <laughs> I know I'm doing the wrong thing. I'm communicating in my own way. You know, that's her language of love. Uh, there's a reason why the Lord only made her five foot two, because like a chihuahua. Uh, oh, my gosh. All right. Moving along. OK. No. So so he's talking and he's talking very seriously about something. And I look down and I see his beautiful screensaver and it's a picture of me. And it's not an attractive picture of me. And I'm like. Why is that on his screensaver? It's terrible. <laughs> and I realized he has one of these changing things and it just picks random pictures out of his out of his photo thing. Yes. All right. Moving Thank along. You, baby. Yes. I didn't pick that picture either. And I agree. That wasn't a great <laughs> that was a horrible picture of me. But the the, the Apple system it knows it was, I it love you. It thought it was good. And yes, Apple apparently. says, apparently. you will enjoy looking at this person. <laughs> and it is quite true. All right. So another principle we talked about is um, intentionally honoring we over I. 
Um, this principle, I think, is super important because I have met so many couples who live in a type of competition one with another. Um, now, to be fair, there are some people who thrive on high drama relationships. I am not one of those people, <laughs> but they do exist. I have seen people with uh, fairly successful fairly key being keyword there marriages that are always in each other's face now if you can make that work <clears throat> far be it for me to tell you that doesn't work for you i just want to say for most of us uh, there's joy and peace and there's a joy in allying our interests um, and rather than finding reasons to compete one with another we succeed and fail together. We laugh together, we weep together, we rejoice together, we mourn together. Um, the quicker, I think, for most personality types, um, we can get to a sense of we rather than a sense of you and me. Uh, the quicker um, the overall relationship prospers uh, because the world has enough trouble in it we don't need to have trouble between us. Does that make sense? The world has enough sorrow in it. We don't have to have sorrow between us. Um, and so, uh, Dr. Charla, why don't you speak on this issue and see if you can uh, add your thoughts to it. Um, <clears throat> yeah, it, it, you know, you said something a minute ago to Amanda about um, not your best being your, I don't remember how you phrase it, but basically that being with somebody is not going to make you your best person. Your best person. Yeah. And I disagree that that ultimately. That's good. This is marriage. Do, it's real to see disagreement. You do become your best version of yourself if you're in a great relationship. Yes. But that is not a quick thing. It's not something that happens. I wouldn't even say it happens in the first 10 years of your marriage. Um, it's a it's a long-term thing. In for me, um, I don't know how it is for other people, but I feel like I didn't really become the best version of myself for him until we'd been married a long time. And, and I worked on myself more because I was very comfortable being me, um, but I did not make allowances for another person in my life. And that took me a long time to be able to do that. So um, so I think that it's, it's very important to work on yourself earlier to work on yourself now as a single person and get to know other people in the sense that other people become valuable to you, meaning their differences of opinion, their differences of perspective, their different personalities, the ones that are crazy, the ones that are quiet, embrace all those personalities, embrace all those kind of people and learn to see the value in their offering and the value in who they are as a person. Because then once you get to a marriage, you will value your partner a lot faster, um, I think, than expecting them to, have to be a certain way in the marriage, expecting them to complete you or making you, um, making you a certain person. Instead, you both will bring what you need to to the relationship. And yes, you will have struggles. You will have lots of struggles. Um, and if you don't, you're a very unique person and I admire you greatly. Um, but I think marriage is very much a struggle. Um, getting to know each other and, and, and struggling through some things, learning how he communicated, learning how I communicated. And I still, 
it takes me forever to get to a point. Uh, he knows he has to pull it out of me. So what you're saying is this. I'm like, no, that's not what I'm saying. So what you're saying is that, no, that's not, I'm, I'm not saying that either. Uh, so what you're, so after we get through about 10 things, he'll figure out what I'm trying to say. Um, yeah, well, by then, sometimes I've already dialed 911. <laughs> and he's, but. and he's tired. He's tired. He's been talking to me for an hour and he finally figured out what was wrong with me. I'm like, and oh, well, why didn't you just say so? <laughs> I didn't know it. I didn't know what it was. So, so, so learning to work on yourself early, figuring yourself out early. And it's not like you have to be all interest, introspective, you know, what I call staring at your navel. It's not about that. It's about um, knowing yourself and understanding that this is how I feel. And this is kind of the person that I am read a lot of books. Um, so I think all that stuff is important. I wish I had done more of that before we got married and he tried, he sent me stuff to read, but yeah, I was not very good at that, but, um, really, you know, work on yourself as a person, because if you work on yourself as a person, it does, I think, help you in a relationship to be a better partner. If you, if anyone has any specific questions about this, anything we're talking about, feel free to ask on a specific question. Another theme we talked about was, um, I didn't spend as much time on this because um, I was moving quickly, but um, one of the themes that we talk about is starting with a soft, you know, gentle anger uh, answer turns away wrath and beginning uh, conversations one with another in a gentle way. Um, the, there is uh, research that has shown, and this is the work of Dr. John Gottman, um, how you begin a conversation has a tremendous formative impact on how the conversation ends. And so whenever you have a difficult subject, you need to ask, you need to ask yourself and you need to perhaps pray, depending on the gravity of the subject, how do I begin this conversation? Because if I begin it wrong, it won't matter if it was a helpful subject. Um, it will be uh, it'll be freighted with the tension of a wrong, stressful, uh, blame-ridden question. Um, and so that same research that Dr. Gottman did, he he has shown in a statistically significant way that he can predict divorce in the first three minutes of a couple's discussion in therapy. In the first three minutes of their discussion, um, he's been tested on this. And, um, and the point he makes is everything wrong in that relationship is unconsciously demonstrated at the beginning of every subject they bring up. Contempt one for another, dismissiveness one to another, accus accusatory questions, do you see? Um, everything wrong is shown in, his, in the first three minutes of a subject being brought up by a couple in therapy. So when I, when I came across that, I, it, it reminded me, of course, you know, I'm a preacher, I'm always gonna do that, but uh, you know, a gentle, a gentle answer turns away wrath. We have to speak in a gentle way, one with another. We have to speak in a respectful way, one for, to another. And um, I personally am, uh, I'm amazed by the research of Dr. Gottman because uh, there, there's so many spiritual applications uh, that I won't get into, but maybe I'll preach about some of the time. Um, Thank you.
All right, Amanda has another question for Dr. C. Speak, Dr. C. She just said what Oh, I you already, already answered, answered it? it? Some people are annoyed before they even, that. they don't even, they just, they, they, they've already answered before the question gets there. I have one. Oh, um, no, I'm, I'm listening to you. I'm listening to Shala. Um, it makes a lot of sense what she's saying. And one thing that came to my mind, uh, we have expectations of what our spouse should be or what they should be saying. I don't have expectations no more because that's when disappointment, everything comes in, stress comes in because we expect this to be a certain way. But through prayer, prayer, I've been doing a lot of praying and giving it to God and not taking it back. And I said to myself, are you willing to try and do your best with God being first in my life? With God being first in my life, I've been with him 20 years and I've been married this year, 10 years. And people said it wouldn't last a year, but it's all in how much you are willing to put in. And I can't be responsible for his actions as a husband, but I'm responsible for me as his wife. I'm still going to do what I need to do and pray for him. And I, I believe that's what's keeping this marriage together. And God can do the rest, which I already placed it in his hands a long time ago because I can't fix my husband. I can't change his heart. I can't do anything. But one thing I can do is be me and be what God wants me to be. But I appreciate this um, lesson we're having because it helps you to grow and listen to other marriage people, you know, people that are married, that have been through things that can help you in areas where you need help. But overall, as long as we keep God first, everything's possible. Amen. Well said. Um, so we are... Uh, <clears throat> I want to get to uh, Paul's question here um, because this is a heavy one. He is, uh, Paul's trying to compete with Amanda to ask me difficult questions. And I think Paul might be winning right now. When you or your partner disagree on something of value and one half is not willing to budge, how do you find common ground or a solution? Wow. Um, yeah. So where to begin with that one? Um, I would say, uh, how to how to begin with that one? Um, so uh, there's something more important than the subject at hand, and that is the whys that are behind that subject at hand. And if we understand the why, it might make us more uh, patient with the what. But when we don't understand the why, uh, it can fill us with a sense of just difficulty and, in, you know, a, a type of institutionalized, you make me crazy. <laughs> and so um, I would say if you're committed to each other and you love each other, um, you have to, you have to try to understand the why. Um, and that is super hard, y'all. It's super, super hard. Um I have a, I had a, a, a couple that um, he, he, he says to his wife whenever they're fighting, he says, I think you're fighting against, I think you're having a hard time uh, 
receiving my spiritual headship of this family. And so <laughs> I just want you to know, y'all see, I don't have black eyes. You will know I have never said that to my wife because you can look at my eyes and you can see, I don't have a black eye. Therefore, I've never said that to my wife. Um, so seriously, there is a spiritual uh, responsibility on men to be a spiritual leader in the home. But uh, after you get done quoting that scripture, you also need to remember that uh, Jesus said to love your 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 wife as Christ loved the church. And uh, let me tell you, or Christ loved, you know, people, lost people. I mean, what he did to purchase us. I mean, we basically killed him with our sins uh, and he took it. And so there's, there's, it's not as clear cut as do what I say. Um, there might be certain circumstances where, where somebody needed to give, but I think for the most part, we need to work really, really hard at understanding the why behind. Um, that's, that's my first take at that question. How would you answer that, Joe? Well, you said understand the why behind it. I remember early on in our marriage, we would have conflict about some things and it would come down to it. And by the end of the argument, when we had made a decision, we would then discuss it and we'd say, okay, so we're going to come to this conclusion. This is why we're, and we're doing this because this matters more to you than it does to me. So this is more important to you than it is to me, or this is more important to me than it is to you. So that's when he says the why, that's what he means by that. He means by looking at who it was more important to um, as, a, as a value point. Um, you know, for example, we're, we're trying to do this remodel thing in our backyard because we've been sitting here for 11 years looking at our backyard, doing nothing to it. So we're trying to do some things and we're trying to do a little landscaping back there. And I want pots because I want to, I want to plant things in my backyard. I want to plant food and certain flowers, vegetables, things in my backyard, right? So so we're having this conflict because my husband sees them as being potentially this morass of things that there's nothing in this big, huge pot. It's just sitting out there with dirt in it being ugly and a, a nasty sore spot for half the year. So, you know, um, we're having a discussion about it. And so I thought it was all established. And then he comes in the other day and he says, okay, so this is, he, this is what he does. He tries, he tries this on me. He says, so this is what I'm doing. I was like, there's, where, where are my planners? And he said, well, I think that's just going to be a problem. <laughs> so I just said, okay. She was not accepting my spiritual lordship of this family. <laughs> I said, okay. I turned around and I walked out because it was very emotionally, very important to me. To me, that's the whole reason we're doing what we're doing in the backyard was to get my planners off the deck to get them in the backyard. So for me, that was a very, very big thing. And he knew that he could read my body language and he knew that I was very upset by it. And did I shed a few tears? Yes, because I was extremely tired. But um, when she came back see. into my office, there was <laughs> nothing said when she came back and she saw my sketch. What was all over the stupid backyard? Let me finish. Let me finish. I haven't got yes, that speak yet. Speak, Lord, thy servant here. So I come back in a few days later, and he's working on another sketch. And I'm like, what you doing? 
I said, I'm, I'm drawing things for the backyard. He said, okay. I said, where are my planners? He goes, right here, right here. And he starts showing me where my planners are. So that's, that's a classic example. Yeah, it's a pain for him, right? Because he's, he's got this vision that it's going to be terrible most of the time. But it's a vision. <laughs> see this face? See this face? But he knows it's very, very important to me. This is the whole reason that I want what I want in the backyard is because I really, really want to plant some vegetables. And I have this vision of certain flowers. And, and yes, it might end up being a mess. But in my mind, it's not. In my mind, it's great. So, you know, the thing is, is like he's he's sacrificing doing this for me, even though I'm not just doing it. It's going to be stinking awesome. Exactly. It's but he's be doing awesome. it because he loves me. Because um, he loves me. And also self-preservation. <laughs> he wants to make me happy. He wants to make me happy. So, yes. Yeah, so that that's a that's an example of doing something because it matters more to me. So, um, yeah, that was that was hard for him. That was hard for him. And it's still hard for him. It wasn't hard. That That's not hard stuff. That's just the backyard okay. stuff. Well, you um, know. Hard stuff's like when you go through tragedy. <laughs> yes, that's that's okay. This that's is a just the category. backyard. <laughs> different category. But we're talking about conflict, you know. Yes. Uh, so 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 resolving conflict, um, it matters more to me. So he's willing to to do that for me because it, it matters very much for me. So I think it's a matter of finding your whys. Um, like you said before, finding your whys. Why do you want this? What why does it matter to you so much? And, and and discussing through that and working through that. So I'm sorry, I'm taking so All long. right, we're going to deal with, uh, yes, Joel, praise God, you are right. Woo! Hanging Woo! Gardens of Babylon. Uh, so <laughs> that's a little much. Amanda is upset that Paul has maybe pulled a little bit ahead of her. So she's decided <laughs> to fight back by finding a more a more difficult question. How can we <laughs> how can we best support our, your partner? How can you best support your partner when you don't understand their decisions or agree with their choices, especially when they affect you or other relationships that you have? Yeah, that's hard. Um, uh, if you are with somebody, they're going to do things you don't like. Um, they're going to have hangups that drive you crazy. And let me tell you, in as practical a suggestion as I can here, all of us are constantly netting each other out. What I'm, what I mean by that is there's things my wife doesn't like about me, but hopefully when she nets me out, I'm worth the hassle. Does that make sense? Now in our society, because we live in a society without covenants, we treat marriage as a civil arrangement, not a spiritual covenant. The moment someone nets out badly, they start making plans to leave. This is the carnal mind. This is not God's plan. Um, there are years when I have netted out poorly for my, my wife. She would just assume have replaced me, and she's she's leaving, walking out on that. She's netting out. I mean, like like netting out. I mean, like like a, a balance sheet. There's positives. There's negative. But net net. You're, you're, they're worth it. Does that make sense? So there's positive and there's negatives, but when you net them out, net, net. Um, so, yeah, um, I would say uh, marriage is a whole lot of giving. If you think the you, you will change your partner, um, um, you do not have power of change. What you have is influence, and um, that's all, all we have. And uh, it's unfair to go into a relationship planning to change the other person. All you've done is 
um, set yourself up for future um, uh, difficulties and struggles. Um, so in a practical sense of that, uh, this was one of the reasons why, particularly for single, single people, Amanda, I think this is why it's premarital counseling is so important. And I just want to give a shout out to our pastoral staff. We have uh, several of our pastors who have worked with many uh, couples on premarital uh, planning and conversations and do a, a tremendous job, better job than I do. And uh, so I am I am honored to have on my team uh, uh, pastoral staff, uh, pastors that that are very, very good in this. Um, and so I think I think we'll kind of uh, wrap it up there. Um, we only got to f- four or five of our points, but I think that's enough for tonight. I think what I'd like to encourage you to do, if you're single, I'd like you to, when you get off the call, I'd like you to take a moment and just ask the Lord to begin in you um, a work of spiritual becoming so that you're not waiting to find the person to begin your uh, pursuit of God's gifts in you. You're going to begin that right now, but that the Lord would prepare you in such a way that you have the greatest opportunity for happiness and spiritual purpose when you find the person uh, you're going to do life to do life with. If you're married, I want to encourage you guys between now and next week to double down on efforts to communicate. One of the things I was going to do tonight uh, was talk about the types of questions that we can ask each other to start communications and they're leading questions, but I want us to make a serious commitment to communicating one with another and a serious effort to learn each other's love languages and how they communicate and be there for one another. And you cannot, I was on a call last night and one of the pastors said something that I, you know, is it's the kind of thing you've heard for years, but you hit you afresh and anew. You can't change anything you won't confront. How do we confront things in a marriage? We have to talk. And remember the principle of talking, we start softly. Um, we, there's a, there's a, there's a saying um, uh, in my collection of random knowledge. Um, if you're towing heavy, I towed an RV for years. And if you're going down a steep hill, um, there's a saying that goes like this. You start the, the descent at the speed you want to end it at. So if you want to be going 25 miles an hour at the bottom of the hill, you start the hill at 25 miles an hour. That's not what a lot of people do. They hit the top of the hill at 60 and then they realize they're going too fast and they start smoking their brakes, trying to slow down when gravity's working against them. Now, if any of you've ever ran, Diane, yes. Diane uh, ran a truck for years, a big 80,000 pound semi. It's a principle. In fact, Diane, it may have been Larry who told me that when I first got an RV, he's passed on now. Um, he told me that when I was started towing heavy, I was 22 years old towing 10,000 pound trailer with an underpowered vehicle. And he, he, and I think it was him. It seems like I have a memory in that shop of him saying that you, you start the hill at the speed you want to end the hill. You don't hit the top of the hill fast and try to slow down. You smoke your brakes. I think that's a great lesson for communication and in, in, in talking about difficult subjects. 
we start the, the way we want to end. We don't try to slow down in the middle of it. So, all right, that's enough. Let's take a moment here and pray together. And I want to encourage you to ambush my wife next week with more difficult questions than these. He's um, warned me now. Um, I, I don't want to try to teach on marriage as a talking head. I want her right here to uh, be holding my feet to the fire. And so um, let's pray. Lord, would you help us to build the kind of families and marriages, the kind of relationships that give you honor, that are not just testimonies of our need for healing, but are testimonies of spiritual transformation in our lives, making us good stewards, uh, teaching us how to love as you love, teaching us how to uh, live by your values. I'm praying today that your direction would be mighty in our lives, that your word would be near to us, that we would <clears throat> spend time with the people we love talking about subjects that are difficult, that we would confront what needs to change, but not in a spirit of confrontation, but in a spirit of unity. Um, teach us to understand that we can talk about nearly anything if we do it in the right way. We can bring up nearly any subject if we do it in the right way. And once we do that, we have a chance to be with your people, I pray. <clears throat> In Jesus' name, Jesus. amen. God bless you. We love you all. Uh, <clears throat> I appreciate all of you. Have a great evening. Uh, let's start singing the songs of ascent as we start walking towards Sunday. Let's start putting the praise in our heart as we start heading to the, the hill of the Lord. Uh, as the, we march up toward the Jerusalem, let's put a song in our heart. God bless you all. We love you. Um, <clears throat> I will... To make sure everybody's mics are on so we can uh, greet one another as we go. I'm reading all these comments and all you men think you're funny. All you men think you're funny. Y'all know you better support the women. <laughs> you are listening to First Church Charlotte.